Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you have chosen to click play on this podcast. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope today's talk encourages you. Ah, is it sheep? Is that the noise you get at the end of that? It's really strange, isn't it? Hey, welcome everyone. Really, really good to see you. My name's Steve. Uh, if you're visiting or if you're watching online, we are delighted that you're joining with us uh, here this morning. Now, we've had our second full week of 2020. Out of 10, how would you score it? Tell the person next to you. Come on, how would you score your week out of 10? If 10 was the best week ever and if naught was the worst week ever, how would you rate your week? Come on, do it at home. Do it online. How would you rate your week? Okay then. Well, let's find out how many people rated five or above. Oh, that's quite a lot. How many people rated seven or above? Oh, there's a lot of happy people here then, aren't there? Okay, how about eight or above? Wow, nine. Ten. Now it wasn't that good a week, was it? Oh, we got one. We've got one. Okay. Well, two. Okay. Fabulous. Well, um, getting into a new year, I think, can be quite exciting. Uh, the problem with getting into a new year is very quickly what was happening in the old year seems to kind of catch up uh, and seems to take over the new year. So let me just ask you a question: How many people were really busy this week? Yeah. How many people were a bit too busy this week? I'm glad you're here. Really glad you're here. Because what we're looking at today is this whole issue of time and of how we can create this thing called breathing room. All of us need it. In fact, we're designed to have breathing room in our lives. And we know, don't we, what the consequences are when we don't. Because when we have no breathing room, when we are living to the max, where we are being stretched diary-wise or financially or even relationally, what tends to happen is stress levels will begin to rise, anxiety levels begin to uh, rise too, we're distracted, there's this danger of burnout uh, that can happen. And we know there's no breathing room when relationships uh, begin to suffer too, when we haven't got time to really listen to each other, where there isn't that, that opportunity for intimacy together. Uh, and so relationships can start to get fractured when there's no space, when there's no breathing room. And in our attempt to get the most out of life, we run the risk of losing control of our lives. And so I'm so glad that we're doing this series right at the start of 2020 so that we don't, as we go through this year, lose control of our lives. Breathing room, the definition which I mentioned last week, is basically the space or the gap between our current pace, how we're living at the moment, and our limits. Because all of us will have limits emotionally, all of us will have limits time-wise, all of us will certainly have limits financially. And it's where we are now to where our limit is, is what we know as breathing room. And for some of us, we live life with such little margin. And it's not how God has designed us to be living. They say that when you, as you get older, 
life or time seems to go faster. And do you know what? I found that uh, to be true. I can't believe that I've got three kids who have all moved out uh, and are all adults um, earning money. I can't believe it. can't believe that I'm 54 this year. That's the, I know. That's the same age as my dad was when we started this church, 54, and he was old. Which is ridiculous. It just shows how young people can become as time moves on. It's, it's how, how I'm viewing it um, uh, at the moment. Life can seem to run at a faster pace as there seems to be more to do and less time to be able to do it. There was a survey a number of years ago, <laughs> I found this really fascinating, that Brits do so much unpaid overtime that if they were to take the time off in lieu at the start of the year, most Brits would start work on the 22nd of February. Because we do and cram in so, so much. If any of you uh, followed the news this week, um, Dominic uh, Cummings um, put out a job description for, uh, did he call them freaks and uh, something, for people to become part of uh, working within the government. Uh, and, and he said uh, within it that there's no point having a boyfriend or a girlfriend because you won't have time to see them. And I thought, well, yes, there's a... That's appealing, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Uh, let's just, just overwork ourselves so much because he thinks it's so important. Our 24 hours a day gets filled often with so much stuff. And so that we work and we have meetings and we go from one meeting to the next or one project to the next and one email to the next and one text message uh, to the next. Uh, we have to sort out meals. We have to sort out household duties. We have to sort out um, uh, where we're going to take the kids to their dance school, their swimming, their birthday parties, their art club, their, um, their gym, their, their sleepovers. There is this endless list of things to do within our lives and there just doesn't seem enough time. And so the question that I want us to be thinking about today is this. How can we use our time well and make the most of the time that we have? In other words, how can we create margin in our diaries and in our schedules so that we have room to breathe? Because boy, do we need it. I think the answer to that question lies not just in a practical list, it lies with a mindset shift. A change, a different perspective, a change of thinking of how we deal with our lives. If you were here last week, I mentioned that God was trying to get a mindset change for his people who were called the Israelites, the Hebrews. They had been in slavery for 400 years where they had worked 365 days a year unless it was a leap year when they just added another day onto it. And all of their value came by what they did. And so therefore, it was all about achievement of getting stuff done and getting stuff done and getting stuff done. And so when God rescued them from Egypt, and as he set them up as a nation, he wanted to change their mindset that their value doesn't come by what they do. And so within all of the laws that he gave, and we know some of them as the Ten Commandments, one of those laws was, you are to have a day off a week. Now, you have to love a God who says that you've got to have a day off every week, haven't you? I mean, that is, that is good, isn't it? And so what God was doing was trying to change this nation's mindset. 
And I'm excited about um, uh, this morning's message because if we get it, if we choose to accept a mindset shift that I believe God wants to bring to some of us, and if we change our perspective on time and apply it, honestly, I think this will truly make a difference. Because you see, our time is our life. And as our time goes, so goes our life. We can have all kinds of stuff, but if you don't have time, you just miss it. And one of our problems regarding time and schedule is that we live as if we're going to live forever. We do. All of us will do that. We just spend our time thinking that we're always going to have our parents, we're always going to have our kids, we're always going to have each other if we're married, we're always going to have this job, we're always going to have this lifestyle, we'll always have this health. And so we spend our time as if it's unlimited. And we know, of course we know realistically that's not true. Of course we do. But in terms of how we schedule our diaries and how we cram so much in, in terms of how we prioritize, we live as if our days aren't numbered. It's as if we just have forever. And if you think about it, whatever we have, or if we have something which we seem to have limitless supplies of, what do we do with it? What do we do with it? We waste it. We do. If we think we've got a limitless supply of something, we tend to waste it. We don't put a priority on it. So we become careless and we invest in things that just aren't important or we waste time on things that we don't value. But if we were to create breathing room in our schedules, if we were to learn to live life to the full, not to the max, but to the full, and we then begin to recognize that time is limited, that time is a valuable asset that needs to be treated wisely, then I think it makes all the difference. And that's where the mindset shift, I believe, that God wants to speak to you and me uh, today. Because today's insight for breathing room when it comes to time comes from a man who lived 120 years. So I'm not even half his age, so I am young. So isn't that good? So I thought I'd pick someone who's had a whole vast um, uh, number of years and experiences in life to be able to seek some wisdom from him. 120 years of age is how many years that he lived. And his name was Moses. And Moses... Moses experienced so much in life, which is why I think it's really good that we can listen to some wise words that he has to say. Because for the first 40 years, Moses was a somebody. He was, he was a go-getter, and to be honest, he could have whatever he wanted because he'd been adopted in, in uh, Egypt into Pharaoh's family. And so he had the wealth, he had the resources, he had the education to be able to do whatever he wanted. And he had 40 years of doing just that. And then came this time when he saw uh, an Egyptian beating up one of his own people because he'd been adopted from the Hebrew, nation, Hebrew people into Pharaoh. And he saw one of the Hebrew people uh, being beaten up. And so he beats the, um, uh, the kind of the soldier, the Egyptian uh, slave master, and kills him. And he decides that now he has to run for his life. 
And so he leaves Egypt and he goes into the desert area. So he's had 40 years being a somebody with everything to becoming a nobody apart from having some sheep. And for 40 years, having had all of that education, he counted sheep, he took sheep to water, he took sheep to grass, he counted sheep, he protected sheep, and got up the next day. And he took the sheep to water. And he had 40 years of farming. Oh, no. (laughs) 40 years of looking after sheep where he was... A nobody. It was during those 40 years, in fact, that he got married to a lady called Zipporah and he had uh, some children. So he'd started family life during that time. And so he was 80 when the next little part of his life, uh, which must have been in a sense so frightening and yet so exciting, when God called him to go back to Egypt and to say to Pharaoh, let my people go. Uh, They'd been in slavery 400 years. Pharaoh didn't want to do that. And so that's when all of the plagues, some of you will know the story from Exodus, how lots of these plagues, 10 plagues came until Pharaoh said, yes, go on, just take them. Just, Just get out of my sight. Just take them. And so he leads them and he plants his staff into the Red Sea. The Red Sea parts, they make their way through towards the land that God had promised them. So that was a very exciting part of his life. So it's from somebody to nobody, back to somebody again. And then he leads for the last 40 years of his life a bunch of people who whinge and moan nearly all of the time and they go round and round in circles, round and round in circles uh, until they all die. There you go. So he's had a bit of experience of life, yes? A somebody, a nobody, a somebody, and then, yeah. And so what does he have to say about life and about time and about how we should prioritise? Well, if you go to the middle of um, the Bible, if you have a physical Bible and you are opening it up, uh, the middle section is called the Psalms. And we think most of the Psalms are written by David or or by uh, choristers. In fact, one of the Psalms that you find there, Psalm 90, is written by Moses. And so this is, uh, this can change how we use time if we take note of what he says. This is how he starts. You won't get it straight away, but we'll come on to it. Lord, through all the generations, you have been our home. I love that. What's home? Home is where you go back to. Home is your safe place. Home's home's what we know. And he's saying, God, it's, it's as if you're my home. You're my safe place, the place that we can come back to time and time again. Lord, through all the generations, you've been our home. Before the mountains were formed, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. And so Moses is starting off this song, as he's going to come on to time in just a moment, and he's putting it in the context of who God is and about the length and the span of time. And he's saying, God, right from the very beginning, all the way to what will be the very end, God, you have existed. There is this time span, and it is so great, and it is so wide, and somewhere within that time span, I fit, (laughs) and it's going to be that. And so already he's recognising that his life is so small. And then he goes on to say this. And he says this incredible statement, and it's almost like a Gandalf statement from Lord of the Rings, because he says this, you turn people to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. That's what it's coming out like, isn't it? And what Moses is saying is this, is that God controls the beginning and the end, that God has input into the days of our lives. 
Now, some of you here might not be sure of that. Some of you here might not even believe that there is a God, but, but you've decided to come because you've been invited or you've decided to watch because a friend has invited you. Just stay with us for a little while in this because for lots of us, that doesn't feel comfortable doesn't feel comfortable to, for, uh, for us because it raises a whole load of questions about God and time and our lives. You see, does God kill people then? Return to dust, you mortals. Does God cause things to happen which will take away people's lives? Does God know how many days we're going to have or does God decide how many days we have? This kind of statement, it makes us nervous. And I'm not sure I know the answers to those questions. But I do know one thing, and that is this, that for most of us, we do think that God has something to do with the length of time that people live. And the reason I say that is this, is that if one of your friends has um, a car accident and they're really seriously ill, what do most people do? Most people, whether they believe in God or not, will pray saying, God, if you're out there, God, will, will you preserve their life? It's as if we see our lives being governed in some way by God himself. And honestly, I, I, I truly believe in my heart that life is a gift from God and that our days are numbered. And God knows what that number is. And so Moses then goes on and he writes about God's view of time and he says, um, a thousand years are just like a day to you, God. And then he talks about looking at people's lives, thinking of how small we are in the huge expanse of time. And he says, we're almost like bits of grass that will shoot up in the morning dew uh, and, uh, and we'll be fresh and it will be lovely. And by the end of the day, we will have shriveled up and died. He's saying that our lifespan is so short, it's so small. And then he goes on to say this, 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80. Some of you are feeling very nervous now, aren't you? Because you're quite close to that one, aren't you? But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. Hooray. Thank you, Moses. That's lovely. But to be honest, it's true, isn't it? You look back to last year. Last year might have been a great year for you, but there would have still been times of pain and trouble. And what you will have still looked back on this last year and go, blimey, that flew by. <laughs> because that's how time appears to us. And Moses knows this. Moses, he was the one who planted the staff and the Red Sea um, uh, parted and they could walk through. How amazing is that? Moses is the one who spent 40 years looking after blooming sheep, thinking, what's their point? Moses understood the highs and the lows of life and the brevity of life. And then he goes on to say this. And this is, this is where I think a mind shift change needs to take place for you and me. If we ever want to create breathing room and space to be able to live life to the full, rather than living life to the max. Because he says this, he says, teach us. Why? Because this is not something we just learn, because we don't just get it. We have to learn this. He says, teach us to realize the brevity of life. In other words, our time is not limitless. 
even if it feels like it is. So let's use our time well. Let's invest our time well. Teach us to realize the brevity of life. Why? So that we might grow in wisdom. Let's be wise. Let's grow in wisdom to know what to put into our schedule and what to leave out, what to prioritize and what to let go of. The um, New International Version uh, puts the verse this way, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I love that. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Remembering our time is limited provides us with wisdom to know how to spend our limited time. This is brilliant. This is brilliant. This is Moses at his best. It is. Remembering our time is limited provides us wisdom to know how to spend our limited time. I have had the chance to, to, um, to live this way at points in my life. I had the chance to practice this when Sarah was first diagnosed with cancer. We knew that she would only have a short time uh, to live. We'd only have a short time together. And so I remember us sitting down and making some decisions. And we said no to more things than we said yes to. Because we wanted to make sure that where we invested our time, it was going to be good and it was going to be right. In other words, what we wanted during that time, because we knew that our time was limited, we wanted to create breathing room to be. And we did. And I can look back on those 18 months and I have no regrets. No regrets. Because time was limited we made sure that we spent what limited time we had well. When Sarah and I, um, Sarah, my wife now, in our early years of marriage, um, we struggled. We found uh, married life uh, really, really hard. And so we implemented a midweek day off. It started off as a Friday and then as a Thursday. And Sarah cut back from working full time to four days a week. So it hit us financially, uh, but we felt that it was so worth it because it was a key part in creating some breathing room for us to be together, to work on things together, to have a little bit of time where the kids were at school so we could have some time together. And actually, Sarah gave up work completely at one point. And uh, I remember uh, going into, uh, she said, when, when I hand my notice in, I want you to come with me to talk to the head teacher because um, uh, he'll ask me to stay. And so I went in and the head teacher says, well, I kind of understand, but you know, you're a great teacher, Sarah. So I think, you know, even if you go down to three days, you know, that would be fine. Uh, and I remember just stepping in after he was busy talking and saying, actually, I'm really sorry, but the choice isn't what you're saying. The choice is our marriage or the job, and we're going for the marriage. And because life was tough, you make some tough decisions. Otherwise, our married days were certainly numbered. And so do you see how suddenly, how important it is of where we invest our time and where we put our priorities for what truly is important to us? And what Moses is saying in all of this is this. Don't wait till a crisis comes. Don't wait till near the end of life before you think this way. Learn the brevity of life now and gain a heart of wisdom now. And live in the light of this now. Because you will make better decisions 
as to how it relates to your current circumstances of life and of what you choose to put into your schedule each day, each month and each year, you will live with fewer regrets if you do this. Remembering our time is limited provides us with wisdom to know how to spend our limited time. There is a lady called Bronnie Ware. She is an Australian And uh, she's an Australian nurse who has spent years caring for patients in their last 12 weeks of their lives. She's worked in a hospice. As many of her her patients approached the final days of their life, she would ask if they had regrets or if they would do things differently. And so basically what she got was insight from those who knew that their days were limited and she was able to get some wisdom from them. And this is what they said. They said, I wish I'd let myself be happier. I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. They were in the top five. She went on to write a book um, uh, about this. This was number two of the regrets of these people who have got 12 weeks to live as they look back on their life. Number two was this. It's found in the book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. She writes this, This came from every male patient that I nursed. They missed their children's youth and their partner's companionship. Women also spoke of this regret, but um, as most were from an older generation, many of the female patients had not been breadwinners. All of the men I nursed deeply regretted spending so much of their time on the treadmill of a work existence. Now, some of us need to hear that because some of us have to act on that because some of us don't want to get to the end of our lives and say, I wish I hadn't worked so much. If we don't learn to number our days, we'll think that we have all the time in the world for our kids and our spouse. And then we'll come to the point when we realize that we don't and it's just too late. And you can't go back and relive it. There's a film called About Time, which you could. I don't know if any of you have seen About Time, uh, a Richard Curtis film. It's a great film. I love the idea of being able to go back and live it again. Because we'd do it differently, wouldn't we? Sadly, we can't. I remember being given a book called The 60-Minute Father when my kids were really, really small. And um, uh, it was really good because you could read the book in an hour. Imagine that, a whole book in one hour. Oh, that was a dream to me. Um, uh, for some of you, it'd take about 15 minutes. Anyway, um, Rob Parsons was writing this book, and I remember him um, uh, picking up on a whole load of illustrations, but then he, he, he had this quote. It's not his quote, but it's one that I've come across um, uh, time and time again. And it was this. Nobody on their deathbed ever said, I wish I spent more time at the office, saying exactly the same thing. You see, there's wisdom in these regrets, wisdom that we can learn from and to stop from being our regrets. Do you want to know the number one regret? Here we go. This was the number one regret. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Hmm. How many of our diaries are filled by the expectations that people have of us that we are trying to keep up with rather than making the choices and the decisions ourselves? The pressure to conform, to be pushed into the the work mold of you've got to do so much and you've got to do those extra hours. 
where money and image and success and drive and status are so important that we stop being ourselves. We stop being the people that we want to be. And our diaries and our schedules get so full and the pace of life is so full as we're trying to keep up with other people's expectations. And there's no room for breathing room. There's no time to reflect, no time to stop, no time to enjoy. Honestly, the prayer that I think we should be praying is this. God, give us the wisdom that comes with living as if our days are numbered. I want to help you just to consider that as, um, as you go through this week. On your seats, there is this little piece of paper. This is your homework for this week. Bring it in, I'll mark it, and I'll let you know, not really. This is purely to allow you to start to give some thought. And what I'd love you to do is to be able to fill this little piece of paper in um, with a friend or with your child or your parent or with your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever. And you'll just see that on this breathing room, there's a plus, a minus, a greater than, and a less than. And you start to ask some really hard questions about how you spend your time and where you invest your time. What's one thing that you need to do that you are not doing at the moment? Then write it in where there's the plus. What is it that you're doing that you shouldn't really be doing, but you keep finding yourself doing it? And actually that it's time to stop. It could be a task, it could be a committee, it could be a job, it could, be, it could even be um, a relationship that's toxic. And then it kind of messes you up whenever you spend time with that person. Don't write their name, write their initial just in case someone sees it, okay. So what do you need to add that you're not doing? What do you need to take away that you are doing but you need to stop? What do you need to turn the dial up on and to say, I'm doing it but I need to do this more? And what do you need to do but you don't need to do as much? What do you need to turn the dial down on? And to say, I need to keep doing it, but I mustn't do it that much. What this will just help you to do is to work out what your priorities are. And the only way you can do this if you create time to do it. And if any of you come back and say next week, I'm really sorry I didn't have time. You don't have endless time. You don't have endless time. Decisions that you make today with the mindset that our time is limited, so we need to make the most of our limited time could be a game changer for us. It's not about lists. It's about understanding who God is, how he has made us, and understanding that our days are limited. My time is limited. That means I need to limit what I do with my time. How do we do that? Well, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Let me pray for you. Father, time is an amazing gift. And we're sorry that at times we just take it so much for granted. Uh, and we waste time. And we do stuff which um, robs us of quality time with other people or other things which would do our hearts good and actually do us, uh, give us that passion for the reason of why you've even made us. So Lord, would you help us this week to answer those four questions? Would you help us to see that life is brief, really brief. And so would you help us to use our time wisely? And this week, Lord, give us the breathing room to answer those questions. Help us to choose that and to live your way. You are the way maker 
I love that. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You make a way possible for us to live life differently, to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And then these other things will be added to us. Lord, we believe that. We claim that in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so please check us out on social media at Forge Church and check out our website, forgechurch.com, where you can give financially, watch new content and see any details of events we have going on here at The Forge. See you next week.